0: My name is Roy Bianco. Oh, two weeks in a row. You've got to be kidding me. I Hold on. 911, what is your emergency? Oh, my God. Can you help me? Send help. I met this guy. He seemed like he was into me. He seemed like he really wanted a relationship. And we had sex and he's gone. In fact, he's blocked my number. I can't get a hold of him. I have been played. Can, can, can you help me? Well, ma'am, as it turns out, today's episode of the Attracting Lasting Love podcast is all about how to handle being played. <laughs> okay. So, again, I don't know if you think I'm an idiot or you find me funny or you're just tolerating me but i guess what i should say right off the top here is this really is not a laughing matter being played is one of the most difficult experiences that you can have it can be unbelievably heartbreaking and disappointing it it can it can lead to major trust issues moving forward it being played is one of the things that can really really destroy you. And so even though I tried to s- start this out today with a little bit of humor, I, I really want you to hear that it's not funny uh, and there is much to talk about when it comes to this dating emergency, which let me remind you of what this series is about. This is the series is called 911, What's Your Emergency? And we are dealing with three different dating or relating emergencies. We're dealing with dating disasters, issues that might want you to call 911 to the relationship police or something, okay? And so last week, we dealt with being ghosted. And this week, we're going to deal with being played. Now, with this this conversation, we're going to we're going to go at it from two different directions because either you have been played or you haven't, okay? If you haven't, then what you're going to hear today is preventative medicine, okay? So if you've never been played, and thank your lucky stars if you haven't, you it's it, you know it's possible, right? And so what you're going to learn today is going to prepare you so that maybe, you know, you might learn something to where it won't happen to you. You can prevent it from happening to you. But a large part of who I'm talking to today are people that have been played. And let me just, just define what I mean by that. I mean that in the relationship, you were sort of tricked into believing that the other person wanted The same thing you wanted, which is typically a person looking for a long-term, monogamous, committed relationship. Like, I'm looking for a a partner, a life partner. I want a family. I'm I'm not interested in the fling. I'm not interested in just getting laid. I'm looking for my life partner. And you meet someone who seems to want the same thing. Maybe somehow they pick up on what you want and they were um, able to convince you that they are actually interested in the same thing and then you consummate the relationship and you find out that, no, they did not want a long-term relationship. They just wanted to hit it and quit it. They just wanted to get laid and now they're gone. And so you've been tricked. You've been deceived. You've been played. Okay, so I want to talk to people who have experienced that, or to people who don't want that to happen to them, and they want to prepare themselves so they can they can prevent that sort of pain. Okay, that's where we're going today. So what I want to do quite simply is I want to ask you four questions to consider, okay? And each of the questions is quite deep. There are layers to them. Each of the questions you might have follow-up questions about in terms of how do I apply that? How do I integrate that into my life? How does it, you know, how does it work with my particular situation, right? So these are four questions that really get at four basic principles, and I have no illusion that what I'm going to say today is going is to fix everything, that it's going to answer every possible question you have uh, about this whole issue moving forward. Um, it's not. There, there is probably going to be a lot of room for more discussion. And I'm hoping for that. I'm I'm hoping to be a resource for you uh, for follow-up discussion, for follow-up coaching. But I I, don't want to – I never want to give the impression that what I'm sharing here is going to be like some magic pill that – you know, I'm going to drop some wisdom on you that is going to solve all your problems and fix everything that's wrong in life. And, and, you know, I, I, I can be a little narcissistic, but Jesus, I'm not that much. Okay. So I, I recognize that this is a big topic. A lot can be said. And so all I want to do is I want to, I want to ask you to consider four questions. And because I think, by spending some time with these four questions, you will be able to either recover from being played, and I'll talk about what that means in a little bit, or prevent it from ever happening to you. Okay, so with that, let's just jump right in. Here's question number one. And again, we're, we're talking mostly to people who have some serious heartache around their sexual choices, okay? Okay. That's really who I'm going after today. So the first question is, what feelings do you need to feel in regards to what's happened? It is so easy to go through a painful thing like this. And because it's so painful, most of us have our sort of go-to surefire ways of how to avoid feelings that we don't like, right? We, we have our ways of ignoring our feelings, of avoiding them, or explaining them away, or somehow not dealing with them directly. We, we all have our patterns and our favorite ways. I think in my book, I list... 10 different ways that we avoid feelings. And at the top of the list is we distract ourselves. We feel something uncomfortable and we have one of our favorite distraction techniques. Going on social media and just mindlessly scrolling through, turning on the television, just watching no particular show, just something that try to take your mind off of it. A lot of us fall into, I'm just going to keep busy, right? I just fill my schedule with stuff. I'm just going to be so busy. I don't have time to feel anything because I got this next thing to do and I'm doing this, I'm doing this. Many of us medicate with our favorite substance or even activity. So we drink, we get high, we shop, we use porn, gamble. I mean, there's all kinds of ways that we can alter our state of consciousness with some kind of substance or activity, right? And here's the thing, when we, when we avoid feeling the feelings... And 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 I I mean that in a technical way. When when we don't know how to feel a feeling all the way through to completion, then all of that energy stays trapped in our bodies, and it's like we're you know holding someone captive in the basement. They don't go away. They're down there, and they are looking to escape, and they are looking to cause trouble because they don't like being locked up in the basement. So when we're not able to feel our feelings, when we, when we do medicate them, or when we distract ourselves from them, or if we spiritualize them, well, you know, God is in control, and uh, so therefore, I don't even feel sad. I don't even feel, because I'm trusting. Okay, there's some there's some truth in that, but you know what I mean. That's a spiritual bypass. Are you familiar with spiritual bypassing? It's a kind of a famous term in the last 20, 30 years. Some, I got a, his book on my shelf. I can't remember his name right now, but some smart psychotherapist recognize that we have a way of bypassing uncomfortable things. <laughs> we, we just go right past it, right? It was like, or we cover it up or, right? We don't really engage with it. We don't, face it. We don't deal with it. And so when we do that, it's not like the feelings go away. They're still there. You're just ignoring them. And I'm telling you, feelings don't like to be ignored. They really don't. They get sort of angry. And so when you ignore feelings by overanalyzing or justifying, spiritualizing Just venting to a friend? See, many of us, something bad happens and we think that we're processing our feelings when we're venting to a friend. No, that really isn't. It might be helpful to let some steam off. But have you noticed that when you vent about something, that you only feel better about it for a moment? Right? Because the real feelings are not being contacted. You're just bitching and moaning about it. And when you get played, I understand you have reason to be upset and maybe tell your friends about, oh my God, what an asshole this guy was. But you're not really feeling the feelings and allowing them to come up into your awareness and pass through the body and let them go. Because that's the key. You have to feel the feelings so that you're they're allowed to evaporate from your system. They're allowed like smoke to rise up the chimney and leave the house, right? Because if you keep them and you ignore them or medicate them or distract yourself or vent or justify or spiritualize or whatever your favorite way is to not feel a feeling, then it's like you're tying them up in the basement and they're still there and they are going to come back to bite you in the form of depression in the form of panic attack anxiety trust issues anger issues right? So a lot of our psychological and emotional problems listen here now a lot of our emotional baggage and our psychological problems and our hangups are a a result of nothing more than we didn't know how to deal with uncomfortable feelings. But there's a big movement in spirituality right now and in psychology about dealing with repression, like trauma from the past that's never been dealt with. Because as a little kid, you didn't know what to deal with all those feelings and no one knew how to teach you and... You didn't know what to do with them. So as a little kid, you do the best you can. You bury them. You just push them down. But then you're 40, you're 50 years old. and Oh my God, here they come. I have difficulty having sex with someone because of my past and how perhaps I've been betrayed. I have difficulty trusting. I have anxiety issues, depression issues. Right? So a lot of our emotional problems, when you trace them to their original root, is that we've never been taught how to deal with uncomfortable feelings. So question number one is, what feelings do you need to feel all the way through to completion? What feelings are locked up in your basement that you have been afraid to come out and face? and breathe with, and welcome, and acknowledge, and learn from. See, this is a huge issue. It's, we're getting into what's called emotional intelligence now. The ability to be present with your reality and not run away from it. Now, we run away from it because, shit, it's so uncomfortable to feel the hurt, to feel the, the anger, to feel the, the fear there's a reason why we repress things. Because it's it's almost like I'm just trying to survive here because to feel them feels overwhelming. But that's only because you've never been taught or coached on how to be with a feeling so that it because it it doesn't have to overwhelm you. It won't swallow you. A lot of people feel like if I let myself feel A lot of my sexual betrayal in my life, which might have just happened two weeks ago or 27 years ago. Okay, I mean, it might have happened when you were six years old or 66 years old. Some sort of sexual betrayal is so powerful that we don't know what to do with that. And so just out of a survival, we just bury it. And I wish that would work but no, it's still there. And they, they manifest through our bodies with physical illness, right? You know that, that a lot of physical illnesses are emotionally rooted. Lots of heart disease, lots of stomach issues. Lots of issues are originally coming from emotional trauma and emotional repression, and they show up in the body because they're stored in the body. So this is not the podcast to go into a complete discussion of how to feel your feelings all the way through to completion. I have touched on that uh, in a number of podcasts. And if if you can't find the one, send me an email, and I can point them out to you. But you should be able to identify them by looking at the names of my podcasts. I try to name my podcasts pretty descriptively, So that you know exactly what it's about from reading the title and, you know, can find some wisdom or some perspective to help you with whatever you're facing. So that's the first question. What feelings do you need to feel before you do anything? You need to contact your reality and honor the feelings that are there. And not turn them into an enemy that's buried in the in the in the basement because you can't you don't know what to do with them. That's the first one. Now, the second thing is tied right closely with it. Because here's what happens in life. It's true for you, it's true for me, it's true for everybody. We go through experiences, good, bad, or otherwise. But in this situation, we go through These dating disasters, these 911, what's your emergency type things, and not only do they create lots of uncomfortable feelings, but our minds begin to make up stories because of them. We start to make these things mean something that they may not. So the second question for you is, what stories do you make up Because of being played. What stories do you make up? Because of being played. Now when I say make up. I'm not saying you're making up the fact that you were played. I'm saying that you make up stories about what it means that you were played. You're interpreting it to mean something. So let me give you some examples here, and I share them without like shame or judgment. They're, these are very understandable ways your mind is going to try to make peace with the situation. Right? Your mind knows how much pain it's in, and it's, it's going to try to explain what happened. It's going to try to... Make it mean something so that it, you can manage it so that you can handle it. Except that the mind the mind isn't telling the truth, necessarily. It's just making things up to try to make you feel better. So what stories can you and do you make up because of being played? Well, how about men can't be trusted? Very common to have something like this happen. Men are assholes. Men can't be trusted. Now, that's understandable. And let's just admit right now that when we're talking about being played, I've never met a man who um, was played by a woman. In other words, I've never, I've never heard a man say that I'm looking for a real relationship and I met this girl and she made me think that she was open to a future and marriage and a family. And it turns out she just wanted to, to take advantage of my body. She just wanted to use my cock for her pleasure and treat me like a throwaway rag because the minute, the minute I gave it up to her, she was gone the next day. I just, sorry, I've never heard that happen to a guy. (laughs) Okay? So, we're talking to women in this one here. It's women who get played. Okay? So, what does your mind tell you after that? You can't trust men. Men are assholes. Maybe your mind tells you Nobody really wants me for me. All I am is a body. Nobody cares about me. Nobody wants me. They just want to take advantage of me. They just want my body. That is a way to interpret being played. I'm not wanted. I'm not good enough for a relationship. I'm not worthy of devotion and love. I'm worthy of sex. There's a lot of ways your mind is going to make up stories. Again, it's in the effort to... It's trying to make you feel better. Even some of those stories where you feel like, you know, all this means is I'm not good enough for a real relationship. Even that... On a a weird sense, it's somehow trying to give some reason, right? One of the things the mind doesn't like is not knowing. The mind doesn't like the unknown. So it just makes things up. Well, I heard this happen. I've seen that happen. So when it happens to me, this is what it must mean. So the mind has a tendency to try to fill the empty spaces to make sense of something and it's almost always wrong. So what stories does your mind tell you, right? There are many more. I'm drawing a little bit of a blank right now on the other types of things that you can make it mean about yourself. You can make it mean, you know, I'm never going to find, you know, a relationship that lasts. Or at my age, men just want one thing, right? So it's important to bring those stories out of your head and put them in front of you and really look at them with understanding. It's like, so if, if you're feeling like men can't be trusted, they're assholes. They just want one thing. That's all men are interested in. Oh, online dating, everyone, you know, they're all just hooking up. They're all just trying to swipe and get laid. There's nobody on there that wants to meet the love of their life, right? These are all stories, meaning they're not universally true, right? They're, oh yeah, they're true for some people. Some men just want one thing, some men don't want a real relationship, some men just treat women as sex objects and they go from one to another. Sure. But we make up stories that are more encompassing than that. Men can't be trusted. All the guys online are just wanting this. See? So we make it mean something much larger. Because the minute you say... Some men just want to hit it and quit it. Well, okay, yeah. But that leaves open a lot of room for a lot of men don't. A lot of men actually are looking for the love of their life. A lot of men don't want just sex. They, they want a real relationship. Right? But when you've been played, it's really hard to open up to that possibility. And of course, whatever we believe about the world completely impacts what we do and how we show up, right? Like if you believe the earth is flat, then you don't jump in the little dinghy and sail off into the sunset, do you? Because you're going to go off the edge, right? So when you believe, when you allowed, when when being played creates a story that men can't be trusted, they want one thing, I'm not good enough, nobody wants me for me, they just want my body, when you believe that to be true, that affects the way you behave. That affects the way you show up. And it usually creates self-fulfilling prophecies. You usually end up proving your own point to yourself. See, there's another one that just wants this. See, there's another example of of how this is true. It's called confirmation bias in psychology, that when we believe something, we look for it. We we look to find evidence to prove our our bias, our opinion. We see this in politics all the time. Right just off the top of my head, take a mass shooting And you know how the left and right responds. So with a mass shooting, the right is going to look at what happens and they're going to point to all the things that happen that confirm their opinions about the Second Amendment and all that stuff. And with the same event, (laughs) not a different shooting, the same shooting, the other side is pointing to things that confirm their opinions on gun rights and so forth. It's like how do you both approach the same event and have it prove your point? <laughs> it's because we cherry pick. Right? We like and we're attracted to the things that confirm the way we see it and we sort of ignore the we don't want to pay attention to we sort of ignore, we sort of downplay, we don't even notice the things that that don't confirm our opinions, right? So this happens in our own minds all the time about dating and relationships. We have experiences. And if we're not careful, we start making theories out of it. We start having these beliefs. And then you believe it. And then lo and behold, you find evidence for it all over the place. But you have a strange way of not noticing that. Oh, that your friend met somebody online and they're in a great relationship. Oh, that kind of screws up my idea that all men are assholes and everybody online wants one thing. Oh, okay. I, I'm not really going to take that into account because that messes up my whole my whole story. <laughs> Do you follow me? So this is one of the things the mind, the mind is a very scary place when you start to really pay attention to your thinking which is why I'm so big on meditation. Because in meditation, you begin to watch the monkey mind. You begin to watch that nut job that lives in your head that won't shut up and is interpreting everything and making stories and its judgments and, you know, about stuff it doesn't know anything about, right? One guy plays you and all men are assholes? Really? I mean, come on now. That's like saying I I drive my car and I go to the Target and I come out and somebody dinged my car and that means everybody is dinging cars all the time. You can't go to any store in the country and not get your car dinged because it happened to me once, right? So it's like, what are you, what are you talking about, Roy? I mean, uh, you got dinged. All right, fine. But don't make that mean that you – you can't ever park in a parking lot and not have your car damaged. <laughs> you took it a little too far, right? But this is what happens. So again, this topic is too big to break it down, but I want to ask you, what stories do you that have you made up because of your sexual trauma? How have you interpreted it? What, it, what have you made it mean? And can you see the effect that that can have on your future behavior? Your future openness? Your future availability? Okay, so those are two big questions. and We haven't even gotten to the two most juicy. So the first one is, what feelings do you need to feel? Just... From the get-go. How do you need to honor your your real feelings? And then what stories do you make up because of being played? Now, here's where it gets a little sticky. I'm going to ask you this question and it's from the assumption that it's true, (laughs) okay? So be open to this being asked of you as if I'm assuming it's true. Maybe it's not, but hang in there with me. What intuition or red flag did you ignore? What intuition, what feeling, what sense, your spidey sense, your feminine intuition, what did you ignore or reject or explain away? Or decide not to pay attention to. That led to this whole thing. Because there's a lot of times. When people have been played. After it happens. They're like. Oh God I knew it. I knew it. I. There was something. I couldn't put my finger on it. But. It. Something felt off. The person felt a little too charismatic. They felt a little. A little. Too like they said all the right things in the right way. They, they seem too smooth. They seem too, too good at dating, right? And I knew it. I knew it. Damn it! I knew it, and I bought it. I I ignored it. I didn't trust myself. Okay, maybe the best thing that can happen from being played is you come away saying, okay, I'm gonna. I just. I'm going to trust my intuition a little bit. I, I, I'm, I'm not going to run through the red lights anymore. Okay, so I, now this is a little interesting. Did I just contradict myself? What stories do you make up? And now I'm saying you might need to pay attention to that voice in your head, that intuition, that little gut feeling that something's off here, Right? Seems like a contradiction. Not really. The stories are these statements of beliefs about what is true about love and men and relationships and things. Okay? This is more of being present with your inner energies. Right? Sometimes we talk about what's called a whole body yes. A whole body yes. Let's talk about what that means. Okay? A whole body yes is an energetic sense that everything in within you is in alignment with what you're about to do or decide or a decision you're making. There is no, I'm a 95% yes, but there's a piece of me that's like, no. And we say, well, since it's 95%, well, I can go forward on that. It'll always backfire a whole body yes is there's no glitch there's no well i'm not totally sure i think i'm going the right direction i i think i'm pretty i'm pretty pretty sure that this is this is the right thing to do I and mean, there's a little piece of me you know but i don't know sometimes i can be neurotic sometimes i can you know outthink myself and get myself all twisted up so i'm just going to I'm going to ignore that and I'm just going to go with the part that feels like this is a good idea. That always seems to backfire. So a whole body yes is this commitment of conscious living to where we say, I don't make any decision, especially a big decision, if I have any hold back whatsoever. If there is anything within me that says, I don't know. Maybe not yet. No, not if there is any glitch, any holdback, even if you can't explain it, even if you don't know where it's coming from, even if you couldn't articulate it in any way, it's just a sense, it's just a feeling. If there's any of that, the answer is no. So this is a commitment to honor your inner truth, to say, I'm not going to go against any part of me. If I'm making any type of major decision, going in a direction, making a choice about something, I want all the parts in me lined up. I want everybody at the party and everybody saying, yep. It's almost like being at a big corporate business meeting, right? You got the CEO, And then you got the the chief financial officer and the marketing officer, and then you've got the manufacturing director, and you've got social media director, and and whatever other part of the country. So the company. So you got like fifteen people around the board table, and the company's making a decision about downsizing or buying another company or whatever it's doing. Okay, unless everybody at the table is like yes. This is the right thing to do. If even one person says, I'm not sure, I don't feel it. I, I, I don't think that this is the right time or the right way or the right thing. If 14 out of 15 are yes and there's one no, then the answer is we're not doing it. Okay? Now, you might say, Roy, that is you can't run a company that way. And maybe you're right. I don't know. I don't care. <laughs> But you can run your life that way because I'm here to tell you, if you haven't answered this question yet, if you do sit with, you're going to say, yeah, Roy, there, there I, I, there was, there was a glitch and I ran right through it. The light was blinking red and I'm like, no, I'm going to do it. And then you're like, shit. <clears throat> Are you resonating with this? What intuition or red flag did you ignore? But that's not the end of the question. And why? There's the money. Why did you ignore it? That's what you want to get at because if you don't know why you did it, if you don't know why you ignored some part of you that was like no something, I don't think. If you don't know why, you'll repeat it. So you got to get at the reason why you downplay that little feeling or you ignored that red flag, right? If you get at that and you deal with that, oh, now you're now you're good to go. So let me give you a couple suggestions as why. We might ignore a whole body, yes, and make our decisions that way, especially our sexual decisions. Loneliness is really powerful. Because Roy, I I, kind of know if if I don't do this, I I don't think he's going to call me again. I can't tell you how often I talk to people that women have told me that. I've even heard women tell me the guy told them hey, listen, either we do this or I'm out. And and when a person told me that, they started to laugh a little bit. I said, okay, so you already know why that's funny, right? And she's like, yeah, that that was check, please. <laughs> that was the moment I knew the relationship is not going to go forward at all. If anybody puts pressure and kind of an ultimatum, give it up or I'm out, then you're out. I mean, that, right? I mean, so... But it's amazing when you're lonely or if a person's really fucking cute. If he, if he checks a lot of boxes, God, the guy makes a lot of money. He's handsome, dresses impeccably. He's nice to me, right? He's suave and sweet and right? And I'm lonely. And, and how about scarcity is another reason. You know how hard it is to find someone these days? You know how hard it is to find a partner? So, you know, you if you start doing this whole body yes thing, you know, you're going to be single until you're 120, right? Because it's hard to find someone. So you just kind of got to give it up and you got to you take your chances, right? These are some of the reasons why we ignore our intuition and we get ourselves hurt. This is why I might say as awful as it sounds, you didn't get played. You played yourself. Because you knew it. On some level, somewhere, you knew it and you ignored it because you were lonely or you have a scarcity mentality. Or they check so many boxes. So you got to get at I, I sensed it. Maybe the issue with why it happened to you is because you don't trust yourself. You don't trust that still, small voice. So you just have a, like a negative self-image. You're like, uh, remember George in the, um, the Seinfeld episode where he does the opposite? Because George is complaining, you know, every, all of my instincts are wrong. Whatever I, whatever my instinct is, it turns out I should have done the opposite. And so Jerry then challenges him to do the opposite. It's a hilarious scene. Um, you could probably just Google George Costanza does the opposite um, episode. It's hilarious, right? But sometimes it's not so funny when it's us. It's like I don't trust my instincts. So kind of like if, if I'm all scared about it, well, that's just me being neurotic. That's just me being overly cautious and my mind is just, you know, doing weird things. So I don't want to pay attention to that. So I'm I'm going to ignore myself. And it, it backfires. So there's a little bit of work to do here. Let me, let me give some advice to people that are like that. Okay. Because there are times when our mind is just making up crazy stuff and we should not listen to it. I have a whole chapter in my book that's devoted to telling you not to listen to your mind, okay? So on one hand, because in your mind is all your past experiences are stored there, so when you ask your mind a question, the only way it can answer it is based upon your past experience. But your past experience is very limited to what, what you've gone through and there's lots of other things going on in the universe that you're not aware of. So you do not have all the information there is to, to know on any particular topic. So to trust your thinking is a little nuts. Okay. But now here I am telling you, you know, a little, still a little small voice in you, that little glitch. Don't run over that. Especially the feminine intuition. That's not a cliche for no reason. The feminine, they, you guys just have a way of knowing shit, especially about relationships. You have a spidey sense. And you should trust it. Now, if in your past, you've proven to yourself that you shouldn't trust it because you're neurotic and I make up stories and I did this and I did that. And it turned out, you know, that guy that I thought was just trying to play me and was just a player because he was too nice and too suave. Well, you know, six months after me, I heard he got engaged. Oh, shit. (laughs) It's like, wait, wait a minute. Maybe I was wrong. So now when you feel that, you might say, well, I'm not going to pay attention to that anymore. So what do you do? Do I listen to the inner voice or not? Well, normally I would tell you not to listen to your your inner voice because you're just like me, you're full of shit. That's just how the mind works. Read my book if you want to learn more about that. But if 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 you have trouble with trusting yourself, And again, I know I'm contradicting myself here, but if you're kind of the kind of person that says, I don't trust myself, but I have so many experiences where I should have, then when this is coming up, you need to get your posse together. You need to get your girlfriends together and say, here's what's going on. I'm with this guy, we're dating, I know it's going in the direction of sex, I am attracted to him, I can tell he's attracted to me, but, but lady, friends, girls, there's something in me that's like, I don't know about this guy, right, so you give it to them, maybe you set up a time where you're out at a party, at a restaurant, and you invite your friends to come meet the guy, because they'll smell him in a minute. Because they don't have your loneliness. They might not have your scarcity thing. They have nothing at stake. Right? They're not. I mean, the guy's not interested in them. Right? So they'll, they will smell him in a minute. They'll be able to tell you, oh, trust yourself on this one. That guy is swarmy. That guy, he's going to hit it and quit it, girl. I can feel it from a mile away. And you better trust your friends. But if your friends say, wow, girl. He's fantastic. I, I I, think you're maybe being a little neurotic here. I think maybe you're just getting in your own way. Relax. You know, when it's right. I mean, you, ne- you never know the future, but we don't sense anything here. Okay? So I hope that gives you a little technique on how to deal with this. If you don't have a whole body, yes. You should trust it. If there's something in you that's like, nope. I, something's not quite, then you need to wait. I'm not saying you need to end the relationship. So I'm just not having sex until everybody at the table inside of me is on board. Okay. Right? But if you feel like maybe I'm being a little neurotic here, maybe I'm scaring myself for no reason, maybe I'm making up because maybe you've been played in the past. Right. So now you have a little trust issue here. Then you bring your girlfriends in and you let them meet this guy and they'll feel him out. They're not going to interrogate him. There's no question that they're just going to have a conference. They're going to be at the bar. They're going to have a drink with you guys and just meet you guys and just introduce him to your friends. They'll tell you, okay? Take my advice on that one. Your friends have a wisdom that you don't because they're just not as involved as you are. All right. The fourth question on what to do when you've been played. What changes do you want to make to your sexual boundaries as a result of this? Maybe you need to evaluate when and how you have sex with a man, with any man. Maybe you need to step away and say, I'm going to to, on behalf of my own heart, set up some rules and some boundaries to do the best I can to keep myself from getting hurt the way I just got hurt. Now, there's no way to protect yourself completely from pain. You can't, you can't do that. Okay? But you can. you can evaluate your sexual choices. You can evaluate your sexual boundaries. And you can come away... Saying I'm gonna do it differently. This next guy I meet, I don't care how cute he is, I don't care how nice he is, I don't care how how long it's been since I've had sex, I, I don't care. We aren't it's not gonna happen until this. What is that for you? You might need to really think about that, to really evaluate when you are gonna make that step, and I suggest that you think about this when you're not in a relationship, because when you're in a relationship and you really like someone and all the chemistry is just bleeding out of your pores, it's real easy to compromise on your on your values and your your decisions. Right? <laughs> I was dating a girl in high school, and uh, the father pulled me aside, and he was going to talk to me about sex, and he said, uh, "Roy, you know, a hard penis has no conscience." And I, I, I didn't want to admit to him, but, oh, Jesus, dude, that's true. <laughs> when I'm turned on, it's like I'm not thinking straight, right? And when you're turned on, you know, or when it's been a long time and someone's really cute, it's like, oh, my God, right? Now, there's no morality here, okay? You get to decide what you're doing. I don't have any moral judgments about sex before marriage, On the first date, I've done all that. I waited until I was married. I've had sex on the first date. Okay. I've done, and I've done it all the ways in between. And all of it has led to pain, all of it has led to pleasure. So there isn't, there isn't any method that I've done that I can say, well, here's the way you should do it. Okay. You just need to ask yourself. How do I want this? Now, I will give you two basic categories, and I've talked about this before in other podcasts, but in my mind, sex is kind of a celebration of something, right? Two people, when you're coming together and going to enjoy each other in that way, in my mind, you're celebrating something. It's just you have to decide what it is you're celebrating because it controls how soon you have sex. And how soon you have sex is the hugest issue in being played, right? Nobody, nobody, nobody ever says I was dating this guy for six months and we finally had sex in the day after he left me. (laughs) There's no way anybody invests that much time and energy and money into a relationship to wait that long. And it turns out that all they wanted was sex right? Doesn't happen that way. So the more you delay sex, the more you sort of find out who's a player and who actually wants a real relationship. Because let me tell you something. If I am looking for my partner, if I'm looking for my soulmate, even though I hate that word, if I'm looking for the one and I think you might be it, I think you're that great, fuck, I'll wait six months. Are you kidding me? If I think you're the person I want to spend the rest of my, love, my, my life with, I'll take a cold shower, I'll masturbate, I'll be fine, I'll wait. Because I want you. But if I want it, I'm not going to wait that long. I'm not going to wait three dates. Are you kidding me? Because that girl over there will give it up on the first date. So if I want you, I'll wait. If I want it, I won't. Now, I'm not saying to manipulate a man and just make him wait arbitrarily to sort of call him out. Like, what are you really after here? Because that's, that's, that's not quite it. But you understand the principle of saying, if I'm just celebrating chemistry, well, then I, you can feel chemistry before he even says hello to you. <laughs> right? You can see a man and a man can see you. And it's like, oh, yeah, it's on would do it right here on the floor. I mean, I can feel that kind of attraction. We haven't even said word one. You can celebrate that you have that kind of energy between each other. I mean, that kind of chemistry is really awesome. And you can celebrate that. But don't be surprised if he's gone in the morning and you never see him again. Because just because you have chemistry, that doesn't mean anybody wants a relationship. You're just celebrating that you were both horny for each other. Okay, good for you if you choose that consciously. Awesome. I don't I have no judgment of that. It's I've done it many times. It's fun. But it's on the table. I just want you for now. That's it. That's fine. I just want you for now. That's it. Okay? <laughs> then it's on. All right? So you can celebrate your chemistry, which means you have sex very quickly. That will come back to bite you if you're not interested in a one-night stand. If you're actually looking for a life partner, and if you have sex very quickly, then the other person you might discover is not looking for a life partner. They might have said so. It might say in their profile But there's a chance you have sex the first time you see each other, first or second date, you're celebrating that chemistry. There's a chance that that is kind of what they were after and they're going to be gone. But if you decide to celebrate with sex because there's a commitment, that's a whole different story. So you can celebrate chemistry or you can celebrate a commitment. Now, what does commitment mean? that can be anything from we've made a commitment to be a couple we've made a commitment to take our profiles down to be monogamous to be exclusive maybe we've made a commitment to live together maybe you have religious beliefs that not until you're married i, I, I don't so the commitment can change from person to person but universally, it means the relationship has reached a point where we're sort of not like dating anymore. Like we, we're we in a relationship now. So you might define that there's a commitment that we're a couple differently than maybe I would or somebody else would. But at least you have decided that I'm only going to have sex When we are a couple, when we have made a commitment to each other in whatever way that means to you, you just need to think about what that is. At what point are you going to have sex? That's what I'm asking you. Because there's a chance you got played because you had sex before you were ready or before that point. Now, here's what I'm going to tell you. This is the hard part. Once you go within yourself and you come up with the answer to that, like I'm redefining my sexual boundaries in the way I'm going to do it sexually in the dating world, and I'm doing this when I'm not dating someone so that there is no interference in my ability to get my clarity. Once you have that, there's going to come a time when you meet someone where you know that the energy is moving in that direction. It might be the way you kiss each other after the first date. It might be the third or the fourth date. Just the way he holds you, the way he looks at you, maybe he maybe he or you even have to say or something like you want to come back to my place. Right? So you know what's being talked about here. At that moment and maybe maybe even before the actual moment. Maybe when you know, okay, this is going to come up. I We have chemistry, you know, this is our third or fourth date, but you know, I can feel it. I know he can feel it. So I'm going to head it off at the pass. You have to come out and look this person in the eye and say, listen, this has got nothing to do with you. This is just my boundary on sexuality. Everything in me wants to do you right here on this table. Okay. I am so attracted to you. It is unbelievable. But I'm not doing it until blank. In other words, you have to tell them your boundaries. You have to say it. I don't care how much chemistry we feel. It's going to be three months before I do that. Just, I'm just not going to do it. And if that's too much for you, I understand. I'm willing to let you walk away. But it's just the way I roll. So it's sort of like take it or leave it. Now, like I said, if this man thinks that you could be the love of his life, Jesus, he's going to wait. You're kidding me? He might pressure you. He might play with you. He might nibble on your neck a little bit when you're kind of making out. And are you sure you want to wait, baby? Right? <laughs> right? But he'll wait. But you see, if, you, if, if on the second date you already can feel there's some sexual energy and, and he's not asked you to come back to his place, but you know that this is coming, and you say, just over a glass of wine on your second date, listen, I just, I mean, I'm attracted to you, and I, I feel like you are to me, and let's just, let's, just, let's just talk about this, okay? I just want to let you know that I'm not going to have sex until we've had at least, I don't know, 12, 15 dates. I'm not even going to think about it. I'm not even going to consider it. Or I'm just not going to have sex until we both take our profiles down and we're monogamous and you know we've met each other's friends and we are describing one another to each other and to other people as this is my boyfriend. This is my girlfriend, right? So I just want to let you know that sex is off the table as much as I want it until we get there. Okay. Now, if I'm not thinking you're the one, if I actually don't, I'm not really wanting to find a long-term committed relationship. Oh baby, I'm gone. Second date. You're great looking. We have a lot in common, but I really am only interested in sex. So you've just told me it's going to be a couple months at least. I'm out, and you might be hurt by that, but you just saved your heart because it's going to hurt way more to break up after you've had sex or when he plays you. So in a sense, you can find out whether you're going to whether he's a player. Just don't give it up, right? Just don't give it up. You'll find out. Right now, what I'm not saying is to live in fear and to be manipulative. See, so it's hard to communicate this stuff because I'm not wanting you to be manipulative and coy and, you know, coming from a place of fear and I'm trying to figure you out and what's your deal, buddy. No, I'm I'm not encouraging you to have that kind of negativity in your body. It really has nothing to do with him. You're just saying I am not putting my heart at risk. I'm just not having sex. I don't care if you're Tom freaking cruise. Okay? We're not going to do that until this point. And I'm telling you right up front. Now, if you want to if you want to pursue things, I hope you do, because I think we have something special, or maybe we do, then there you go. If, if you don't want to wait that long, I understand, but there's no negotiating on this, <laughs> right? So there you go. That's the best I got on how to prevent getting played and or what to do when you've been played. You ask yourself four questions. What feelings do I need to feel? What stories do I make up because I've been played? What intuition or red flag did I ignore and why? And what changes do I need to make to my sexual boundaries so that I do the best I can to keep myself from getting hurt like this again? Okay, now, like every other one of my podcasts, there's probably a lot more to be said about this. Perhaps you have questions. So I'm right here to go deeper, to talk about your particular pain and situation and experiences. Because if we don't clean up some of the damage from being played, you will put a wall around your heart. And the wall will keep you safe, but it will also keep you single. We have to find a way to process the pain of being played to such a degree that you can open your heart again to what life can give you. If you shut yourself down, if you close yourself off to protect yourself, then you will protect yourself, but you also won't let yourself be loved. So this gets into letting go of the past, letting go of this past pain. And if there's anything I'm really good at, it's helping people let go of the past so they can open their heart to whatever life has for them. And so if you need that, you want to explore the possibility of that, then you reach out, Roy at coachingwithroy.com. My cell phone number, as always, 407-687-3387. And until next week, where we tackle another... 911. What's your emergency? Have a great week. Bye. You've been listening to attracting lasting love with Roy Biancalana. Be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. And while you're at it, please leave a rating and review and share it with anyone you think might benefit from listening. Check out our website at coachingwithroy.com and tune in every week for more insights and wisdom on creating healthy, lasting, conscious relationships.